Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Elise who wanted to see the entire world and all the stories within it. One day, she met a white rabbit who asked her to come along for a journey of discovery. Welcome to Elise in Wonderland. Hello, everyone. My name is Elise. I am Jean, and we are the hosts of Elise in Wonderland, a show for those curious about the world, travel, culture, and new perspectives. Good morning, everyone. It is a lovely blizzardy winter day, the Sunday morning, and I think it was especially hard to get out of bed this morning. But mm. I am happy to be here. We have our lovely special guest Dennis with us in the house. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So. Dennis has lived all over the world, six <laughs> countries, five continents, and he has quite a unique perspective on what life is like in these different countries and in within these different cultures. So we're really happy to have you today to talk about your experience. It's especially my pleasure to be here. Awesome. So before we get into that, um, we are going to talk a little bit about how our week mm -hmm. was this week. Jen, what did you yes. do this week? Like how we survived this week. How did we survive? So the registration in the college is over. Uh, I think students are happy about that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we had a Students Appreciation Day in Moha College. That must have been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You missed it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you should come next time. You're one of our students. We appreciate. Right. I would have been here if I wasn't in class, but uh, class is somewhere takes a bit more takes a bit more precedence than cookies okay. sometimes. Yeah, but we do have cookies, movies, and yeah, and also was it Thursday? We had a South mm -hmm. Indian food. Mm -hmm. It was my first time. Which is different than the popular Indian food like samosa or butter chicken. It's mm -hmm. called the dosa, pani puri. Name's cute. <laughs> the names are cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went to this place, Greenleaf, and uh, in st as opposed to some of the northern foods, which are more meat, cream heavy, mm. um, the stuff was all vegetarian and was sure. really awesome. Mm -hmm. really you enjoyed. have to use your hands, make a mess. <laughs> Yeah, I would recommend this to anybody who likes any kind of curry or spicy food. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, mm. it was so awesome. Uh, yeah, next yes. time you'll have to come. Yeah, you missed that too. Elise, <laughs> how was yours? This was Indian food week for me. I went to two restaurants last week um, and got my fill. If anyone listened last week, they know that in a past life, I am Punjabi, and that's in my soul. So um, that was really delicious. So uh, this week, I'm also preparing for some fun stuff coming up. I have a Yukon trip to Whitehorse coming up at the end of the month, and I'm going to be really excited, actually, to talk, probably come on the show after mm -hmm. that and talk a little bit about what my experience was like in the Yukon. So I'm going to a conference there. It's. I think I was looking at the temperature the other day, and it was negative twenty-four degrees. And and climbing, I have boots for negative forty, so hopefully I'm covered. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, if anyone has any tips out there on how to survive the winter in the Northwest Territories, mm. I would greatly appreciate hearing Maybe from you. Maybe don't speed outside. 
Don't spit. <laughs> yeah. It sounds definitely like a great uh, experience. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be something that I'm not used to. So I'll let you guys know. I'll send you photos. Yeah. I think um, my coworker Valentina and I are going and we're going to try to do the the hot springs oh. so it's like hot natural hot springs hot from the shoulders down and then your yeah. hair and your eyelashes are frozen solid there's all these cool photos online so i'll have to post them on the elise in wonderland facebook nice. page yeah what about you dennis how was your week my week was extremely interesting and intense at the same time i started my fourth and last semester here at mohawk college in the oh. aircraft maintenance program congratulations so yeah thanks a lot yeah Eight, uh, eight new subjects, a new timetable, classes in different campuses. So, yeah, getting used to the different schedule, different commute. But uh, interesting, really, really interesting. So it's the last semester? Yes, it's uh, my last semester mm-hmm. here at Mohawk. So we are looking at the future aircraft maintenance engineer here. Yes! <laughs> that's, so, that's so interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. That program that we have at Mohawk. It, where is the campus located? It's uh, uh, the air. Hamilton Airport mm-hmm. uh, in Mount Hope and yeah it's a great location they don't actually call it a campus because it doesn't have all the amenities mm-hmm. of a campus but it's a great location a great facility great teachers a lot of hands-on opportunities mm-hmm. with all the aircraft and uh, tools we have over there nice. so it's definitely a great program and there's a lot of opportunities in the field in regards to the aircraft maintenance program Very cool. It's such a cool program. Um, also, I just got an update on, so anyone who wants to join our chat, like I always say, this is where it's actually going on. If you go to Elise, at Elise1015 or search Elise in Wonderland on Facebook, you can find a little a little invite to this chat. Somebody just posted the temperature in Whitehorse right now is negative 38 degrees. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, now... We have a lot to talk about in this episode. We have so many countries and experience. Like, I don't understand how in your you're so young to me and you've had so much experience and been to so many different places. So we have a lot to talk about. And I know that a majority of your time was spent in Bolivia. So I believe we have a song coming up before we get into your life story that is from Bolivia. It's carnival music from Santa Cruz. Yes, it's really exciting and cheerful music. Carnival is a really fun time in Bolivia where everyone gets together to party. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes in the street, there comes the music bands, and it's a couple of days or a long weekend of really nice party with warm weather, a lot of uh, cheerfulness and a lot of fun. Awesome. So uh, we're going to play a song, an example of carnival music from Santa Cruz, and then we'll be back to talk to Dennis about his experience all over the world. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Elise in Wonderland on 101.5 The Hawk. It is 9.14, and we're talking to Dennis about his experience growing up all over the world. So we're back, and we were listening to some Bolivian carnival music. So you had mentioned that people get together in groups traditionally and hire a band yes so carnival is a long weekend over there in bolivia and families get together they have what they call over there comparsas which is a group of people they get together they get themselves a uniform and they hang out for a couple days they hire a band and you see these groups of comparsas these groups of people walking around in the streets with the band following them and having a lot of fun 
drinking a little bit and uh-huh. enjoying the good bit, weather. As you do. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, when there's music like this, I mean, and it's sunny and hot out. Right. A nice cold drink. <laughs> oh, you're making me so jealous. Uh, so you've told me before that the question, hey, you know, you have this interesting accent. Where are you from? <laughs> This is one of the most difficult questions for you. Yes, it's always very difficult for me to answer that question because the country I grew up in, the country of birth, my country of birth and my country of, um, should I say, citizenships, they're all different. So (laughs) I could say the easiest answer is to say, well, I'm born in Africa, I'm a French citizen, and I grew up in Bolivia. And in Australia and in other countries as well. (laughs) Yeah, just tack on a few countries. So why don't we start from the beginning then? Tell us, give us the quick kind of synopsis of where you were born, where you moved, and what happened from there. All right, let's uh, do it really fast. I was born in Cameroon. I lived there just for one year. I don't have any memories. That's uh, where I was born due to medical reasons. It's a harsh climate over there. My parents decided to move back to France, mm-hmm. grew up for a couple of years over there. When I was seven, moved with my family to New, Ca- New Caledonia, mm-hmm. lived over there for about two years. I was about nine when we moved to Australia. I lived uh, there with my parents and we were eight uh, siblings by then. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we were six when we left France. So in Australia for about uh, three years, we were 12 when we moved to Bolivia, where my parents are living at the moment. I grew up for six years approximately over there. Mm-hmm. And then I came here for studies. Okay. That is quite a mouthful <laughs> and quite a number of very, like, very different places as well, yes. I would say. Uh, if you could sum up each place in one sentence... <laughs> well, what would you? I know I've asked you to do this, so <laughs> listeners are probably like, "Oh my God, that's such oh a cruel question." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameroon. I'm on. I'm on the spot. I feel. Well, let's start with okay. Cameroon. So, with Cameroon, I could sum it up as friendly people in a harsh environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Over there, working together as a group, as a community, is really important mm-hmm. uh, to be able to survive and go forward. Mm-hmm. As you know, in Africa, the climate and the conditions can be really tough. Mm-hmm. So. People are really friendly and they stick together a lot. That's how they're able to move forward in life. That's how they're able to survive. As a community together. Yes. What about France? So in France, I have this summed up as discovering Santa Claus in the land of vineyards. Okay, you have to explain that. (laughs) That's that's more uh, personal personal experience, right? Over there, we lived in uh, the countryside in the middle of vineyards. Mm-hmm. where it was like Beautiful. wine country. Yeah. So it was a nice place to grow up. And I was maybe four when I learned about Santa Claus <laughs> or when I learned about not Santa Claus. <laughs> we won't talk about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about Cal- New Caledonia? And that's a French island near Australia? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a French colony. Mm-hmm. And it's still part of the... 
Well, it's still part of France. Man, your parents picked some nice places. Mm. <laughs> yes. So I have this summed up as uh, paradise weather providing wow. astonishing produce, fruits and vegetables. Mm. Over there is the best weather I can remember of. Mm. Uh, the climate just beautiful. Beautiful uh, mm. tropical weather. A little bit of rain in the evening, in the day. It's nice and warm, not excessively warm, mm -hmm. not excessively cold as well. And this was really adequate environment to produce really astonishing fruits. I mean, I've seen the biggest grapefruits, <laughs> the size of basketball, yeah, <laughs> watermelon, or may maybe uh, uh, indoor indoor soccer, mm -hmm. uh, futsal mm -hmm. futsal ball. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, really really huge fruits, really tasty. Mm. Also, in terms of vegetables, vegetables would grow very well. I'm going to write this down <laughs> as a place I would like to visit. What about Australia? So Australia is really community-minded society, and regardless of distance. Mm. In Australia, distances are huge. It's, it's quite a large country. Mm. It's uh, really, really huge. And people over there have a lot of community in mind. They think they think like like in a community. Mm -hmm. That's what they believe uh, helps them go go forward. They're really really welcoming. Mm. They they really have this this type of mindset. Great. Um, and we're gonna really get into Bolivia and Canada in just a moment. But Sounds like fun. <laughs> awesome. So uh, what? So you have your family, ten siblings, and. This grew, obviously, as your parents moved from yes. place to place. So can you talk a little bit about why your parents m wanted to move so many times? That's probably a question you get all the time. Why? Um, so, yes, the, the first thing they ask me is, oh, did your parents move for work? <laughs> no, mm. they moved for lifestyle. They were looking mm. for a different lifestyle. They wanted a um, family-type lifestyle, which they could not have in uh, France, mm -hmm. not... Uh, It, it didn't work out for them over there. So that's uh, in the endeavor of looking for an appropriate environment to have the kind of lifestyle they wanted. They moved from one country to the other until they found a place that was appropriate, and that ended up to be Bolivia. Is that where they're planning to stay now as a home base for Yes, that's, uh, that's where they're established. Mm -hmm. Nice. So when you left France... Um, your parents were seeking a new life. You said they don't. They didn't want a standard lifestyle. So, the standard lifestyle being, you know, you work this many hours a week, kids go to school, and it's kind of set that way. Tell me a little bit about what they what they were looking for outside of that. So they were looking to have a family life. Their their idea, they are, their ideal lifestyle would be having something like a farm where everyone would have their ideal elements to be happy and to be able to evolve and learn. By that, I'm trying to say that every different kid, uh, every children of them, would be able to do something they like in that environment. For example, me liking machinery would have machines. My brother liking nature would have places of nature to work with. My mother liking gardening would have a garden. So that that's what their uh, wonderland was. Mm. Amazing wonderland. wonderland. <laughs> so using your environment as your learning tool, basically. Yes, that's uh, that's their uh, their mindset. Cool. So then you had three years in Australia. Um, what happened there? 
So in Australia, <laughs> they liked the environment over yeah. there. They wanted to establish themselves over there. However, it didn't work out in the fact that uh, they didn't have the resources mm -hmm. to mm. purchase and obtain a property of their own. Is it relatively expensive over I've in Australia? Heard of that, yeah. Well, compared to Bolivia, yes, it's mm. uh, it's a relatively expensive country. Mm -hmm. So they saw, okay, we're in Australia three years. It's a beautiful place, but we want to find a place that's sustainable for the family to mm. land. And Bolivia was the next and final choice from there. And you were 13 at the time. So tell me a little bit about the transition to Bolivia. Well, first of all, every time you're leaving a place, you feel sad because you're leaving your friends behind, you live, you're leaving your routine, mm -hmm. and that's always a challenge, especially when you're young. Like, no, I don't want to leave my friends. I like it here. Especially at 13. Too, especially yeah. at 13. However, that transition brings a whole lot of new opportunities. Mm -hmm. For example, I was able to learn a new language, meet right. new people learn a lot of different things. So that was really interesting. Another thing to mention in transition, as some of you might know, uh, people speak Spanish in Bolivia, and <laughs> my parents and I, no one knew how to speak Spanish. <laughs> so we ended up in this country where everyone spoke Spanish, and we had no idea of Spanish. So I had to learn Spanish. That was, that was interesting as well. Mm -hmm. So you showed up, um, and... At, at one point while you were there, you started working at an animal refuge. Is this right? Yes. I'm not sure if working would be the best description, but I I kind of ended up being part of that refuge, like being part of the family in that mm -hmm. environment. So I asked to do an exchange to stay in that animal refuge, help out with the daily chores, feeding the animals, mm -hmm. cleaning cleaning, cooking, doing whatever needed to be done. And in exchange, I would go to school. That's when I started going to school at around 13 years old. And uh, that was a really interesting. It was actually the first time that I really started going to school. Mm -hmm. Before that, uh, my entire education was like homeschooling or what uh -huh. some people call the school of life, uh -huh. which is just learning by actually physically doing things and yeah. observing how the world works. So then you're, it's your first experience. This is crazy for me to imagine. Your first experience going into what is more traditional structured schooling in a new language. How was that experience for you? Did you find it exciting? Obviously, there are challenges there. It was exciting and challenging at the first time. Mm -hmm. In uh, my entire evolution or in my entire childhood I was accustomed to hanging out with people that were a little bit older than me because of mm -hmm. uh, the lifestyle so it was the first time kind of socializing with uh, people of my age hmm. and I had no idea of the language that's why I was trying to learn the language and I was also trying to learn how traditional school works mm -hmm. so that was really really interesting and challenging at the same time Very cool. Um, now, at this animal refuge, people would bring animals to stay, basically. So what, what was the, where were these animals coming from? Well, okay, so these animals... <laughs> I have so many questions for you. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> those, those animals that were brought to the animal refuge could have different sources. 
Uh, let's name a few. For example, confiscations from illegal sales. Mm -hmm. mm. The municipality would sometimes confiscate animals which were being sold illegally. We're yeah. talking about wildlife here, maybe uh, parrots of endangered species or monkeys. Mm. Another source would be people that have obtain animals when they were little small and cute they're like oh cute little monkey Ooh, that happened all the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happened a lot of time with monkeys you get a little monkey it's cute it's small right. when it grows up it's a pain and you cannot live with a monkey because it's they're a wild, wild animal, animal. Mm. Yeah. and in the house it doesn't work because they turn the house upside down and also <laughs> the other thing is that they bite mm. they're oh, they really get, they're they really temperamental monkey puberty and start getting crazy <laughs> totally and there's no way of yeah. taming a monkey like there is taming a cat or a dog uh. a monkey can be your friend and all of a sudden you don't pay attention to him he's jealous he's gonna bite you interesting so for that reason people would want to get uh, rid of those animals and they would bring it to the refuge right We'll have to talk about this refuge a little longer <laughs> once we end the show. But. It was a really great yeah. uh, place to learn and a really great environment mm -hmm. with a uh, mindset of actually doing something good for, for a good cause. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness, we have a couple questions for you, if you're ready. <laughs> um, so, Wendy asked... Well, we have one question and about something else and then a couple questions about what is... Um, about the, your countries that you've lived in. So one of them is, how do you use music in place of language to connect with people? It's a good question. <laughs> how do I use music to connect with, with people? people? Uh, depending on the type of music, music can be a source of communication. That's uh, at least in Africa where some lot of music come from mm -hmm. music is actually communication between different people like a group conversation we are having at the moment mm -hmm. in that sense when music is used as a conversation it's like everyone's putting in a little bit yeah and everyone is speaking with the type of with the instrument that they're playing that's a great answer we're doing some nice improv here guys <laughs> <laughs> um which country did you like the most that is a question I will not be able to answer, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. it, it's like asking a teacher who's your favorite student. Or you like mom or dad more. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Each I, day maybe there's a different answer. I, uh, I, I might uh, be able, uh, depending on time, to go into a positive aspect I liked about each country and a negative aspect of each country because mm. I have, I've, liked, I've liked everything like... There's aspects of each country that I've liked. Okay. If we have time, we can get into that. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a few more questions, but I'm going to table them for right now, and we'll, we'll insert them in in a moment. So we're getting back to Bolivia. You spent your entire teenage year in Samaipata. Is that the name? Yes, Samaipata, a little village in the valleys of Bolivia, which is called. So uh, Bolivia has a really interesting geography because it goes all the way from the lowland, Amazon, to the really high altiplano where there's actually the highest international uh, international airport in the world at mm. over 4,000 meters. And the valleys are just like in the, bit in the transition between lowlands and highlands and mm. very nice village. 
Okay, yeah, I've seen, I know in, in some of the research and some of our conversations for the show, I didn't realize that there's such a huge drastic difference between mm-hmm. the just the landscape there. It's either lowlands and valleys or huge tundra and mountains, water, Amazon forest, kind of has everything. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a really amazing country. So um, you went to school learning Spanish for the first time, and um, you caught up at the end of your first year there and kind of felt, okay, now I'm in the groove a little bit. I know a bit of Spanish. I understand what school's about. Um, did, what else were some typical things about Bolivia that you found? Well, apart from the, the language, mm-hmm. uh, let's, let's mention a little bit about the, the, the language. They have certain dialects over there that uh, are really specific to Bolivia. Okay. As Spanish is spoken in many countries of South America, each country has their own, obviously, expressions and dialects. I heard of that. Uh, one, one expression that I might just mention quickly sure. is ahí estamos. Ahí estamos literally tr- translates to here we are. <laughs> and it's a typical answer that uh, you would say when someone's asking, how are you? Here. So it's like, how are you? I'm like, here I am. <laughs> so it's just like saying, is it kind of, can you compare it to here where you're like, hey, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, or like, yeah, pretty much. It's like, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just a, it, it, like it a generic a, answer. that. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, here I am. And uh, <laughs> so another thing uh, I, will, I could mention about the food over there. So there's this yes. really interesting uh, soup, which is made out of peanut. It's peanut soup, and it's actually famous. And it's, yeah, uh, as amazing as it might seem, it's made out of peanuts. So you get some peanuts, you uh, mm. put them in the blender, cook it up with some vegetables and chicken or meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's really tasty. Peanut it's, soup, sopa de mani. Sopa de mani. Sopa de mani. So can you find any food from Bolivia in Canada? Is there a place you can get food from there? Um, not that I have looked too much. It, it could be possible, but I haven't seen sopa de mani here. Yeah. I'm going to have to make it. What about the community? Is there a Bolivia community here in Canada? Honestly, I have not met someone from Bolivia no. yet. I have met people from Colombia. I have met people from Brazil. Right. I've heard of someone from Bolivia being here in the college, <laughs> but I haven't met anyone. Okay. You've heard of it. Okay. I looked. There's a Bolivian restaurant. Oh, sorry. It's Peruvian. Never mind. <laughs> best Bolivian. I'm going to look up Failed. best Bolivian restaurants. Yeah. Next time, guys, I'll post something. Um, so you also mentioned to us earlier that there's a couple things that, you know, you see here in Canada with a lot of the restrictions, with the rules on seatbelts and blah, blah, blah. It's not the same in Bolivia. Is that true? Yes. Well, uh, as... We might have mentioned Bolivia is a third world country, so that makes a drastic difference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the fact that over there you can live a little bit more of a free life. No? <laughs> like, for example, being crammed s- six or seven people in a five-seater car going 120 with no seatbelt is something you see quite often, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And uh, on roads that yeah, like would be here an 80 limit road. Right. Mm-hmm. Over there you go, people go 120. 
Yeah, with no seatbelts. So uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunately some some things that happen over there. Then in the positive side, it does allow you to have a more free life. Mm-hmm. For example, since you have less regulations, you can easily start your own little business. If you start making something and you open a little stand on the street, there's, you're not going to have too many regulations against it. Mm-hmm. As long as it's uh, good for the environment, good for everyone, you're going to be able to go ahead with that project and uh, you're going to be able to go forward. Nice. So with more leniency, you'd be able to, let's say, I love mangoes. I have a mango farm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make mango juice. <laughs> and I'm going to be a Bolivian millionaire. Or put like oh, yeah, for sure. Of sugar. I'm not yeah. sure about millionaire, but you'll be able to make a living. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what are the prices like there compared to things you would buy here in Canada? That's a very interesting uh, question, Elise. When it comes to produce and uh, what is food, mm-hmm. it's really, really inexpensive. Gasoline as well is mm-hmm. uh, not too expensive compared to here. For example, you can easily have a really good uh, standard meal for what would be about $2 here, $2 or $3. You, you would have like a really good three-course meal. Mm. However, when it comes to machinery and gadgets, computers and phones, mm-hmm. the prices compared to what is here without taking into account the exchange rate. Mm. Which means, in other words, that to obtain the same cell phone, someone has to work maybe five times more sure. over yeah, there yeah, yeah. to obtain the same amount of currency. Mm-hmm. Right. And what about the what about the weather there? What's it like? So, it it's a tropical country. Uh-huh. It's you don't have too much difference between summer and winter. Mm-hmm you see more difference between the different season, dry season, rainy season. Yeah, that's a thing that I've heard about a couple other places in the world that we don't really experience here. And, you know, tsunami season, mm-hmm. rain season. I guess spring is kind of rainy and gross here. But right. we don't, cate- you know, it's winter, spring, summer, fall. We don't categorize it as the tropical heat wave versus the tsunami season. Um, and so there's also a couple other things like, Cocoa leaves are a thing there that's very common, and it's just like drinking a coffee. Uh, yes. So, coca leaves, as some of you might know, coca leaves are the actual base of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are legally sold and consumed by people commonly who work. And it is as common as going to Tim Hortons. So instead of having Tim Hortons every two kilometers, you have these little uh, grocery stores which sell coca leaves and people uh, chew, chew the coca leaves. And f- what, does that, what is that like? Is it like an energy it's, boost kind it's, of thing? Uh, it's comparable to coffee, basically. Okay. It's, uh, yes, it's extremely comparable to, to coffee. People who hmm. work, instead of having their coffee, they have their coca leaves and... It's an energy boost. Mm. What has to be highlighted, however, is that between coca leaves and cocaine, there is a huge, um, I should say, chemical, chemical difference and physical mm. transformation. Sure. To obtain, let's say, one kilogram of cocaine, you would need over a thousand kilograms of coca leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, it's not the same. Yeah. It's way weaker. Than- and I think we forget that. 
um, caffeine is a very powerful drug that just happens mm. to be legal here and it's socially, culturally acceptable that we consume it all over the place. So it's interesting to see, you know, I know obviously there's a stigma around cocaine mm. use, but coca leaves are the equivalent there of having a coffee. So pretty interesting, just a very different, mm. yes. different thing that you don't see in North America. Yes, for sure. It's very common, especially among truck drivers, bus drivers who drive all night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People that do a lot of physical labor, mm -hmm. like working with uh, in the garden. Yeah. Right. The entire day. Very interesting. Um, we did have a question from Chengapa on our Facebook chat. So did you want to comment on that? So I wanted to compliment the question about asking which favorite country it was. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't able to give a straight answer saying, okay, this is my favorite country. <laughs> what I do want to highlight is that each country holds something very special mm. uh, to me. Because, for example, Bolivia, I spent my entire teenage over there. Yeah. So that was something very special to me. Mm -hmm. Here in Canada is my entire professional career, professional fo formation. Mm -hmm. So each country, even though I'm not able to highlight which one is preferred, I can say that each one holds something very dear to me right? and to my uh, personal development. That's a great question and great answer. Um, so before we go to the next song, I just want to end on the last question from Anthony here. He was asking, what strengths do you draw on? Um, to kind of deal with the toll it must take on you f to transition from place to place and start over every time. Yeah, I want to ask that too. I mean, you have so many reasons to complain or, you know, give up everything because you have uh, different languages, every country, and mm -hmm. not proper education. And now you are here, you are very energetic and positive boy I ever known. <laughs> right? You are... <laughs> For those of you listening as well and don't know Dennis, every week maybe I see him bust into my office. Dancing. Elise, how are you? Dancing? He's literally dancing as he comes in. He's a very positive person. Right. Yeah, so great question for you. Yes, and uh, it's true. It's a really great question, and I'm sure it relates not only to me but to other people. And the answer is a dream or an ideal. The fact that um, I have somewhere that I want to reach in life, which for me it's being a bush pilot, that takes precedence over many, many other obstacles. Other obstacles like, uh, for example, um, relations with other people and also mm. alcohol and drugs. Mm. Uh, study. All, all these different obstacles can be easily overcome because I know what I want to reach and I know that to reach that dream or that ideal, I, I need to work for it. Mm -hmm. and, and since nothing takes precedence over reaching that dream, any, any other thing becomes secondary, which uh, whether it's having to move from one place to the other, whether it's having to wake up uh, at six every morning to study mm. or whatever it takes, uh, yeah, Having to reach that dream, willing to reach that dream is what really helps me day by day. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of a break now, and we are going to um, play a song called, uh, it's our example of El Brincao, a type of dance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So, Brincado, 
literally. Sorry, you did that much better. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Brincato. That was that was a one time off. Okay. Fair so uh, we'll just it's have to literally it literally it uh, translate to skipping. Oh, and okay. so it's a st- it's a style of dance over there, and also a style of song. Okay. So it's a really it's a, it's a lot of fun. So this is the song that goes with the dance, El Brincado. Yes. Please enjoy, and we'll be back in just a moment. Benvenuti to Alice in Wonderland. Swagate Alice Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland에 오신 걸 환영합니다. On the one or one five. One or one five, the hog입니다. Xin chào. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to Elise in Wonderland on 101.5 The Hawk. It is 9.46. Wow, this has gone by fast. And we are talking to Dennis about his experience growing up all over the world. And we have a lot of questions from our listeners as well, so that's great. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about, okay, the, the phase you're in now. You've come to Canada. So um, tell me a little bit about when you decided to come here and how how that worked. So in 2016 you arrived, but there was something drawing you here. And that was my studies. Okay. The dream of becoming a bush pilot. Mm-hmm. For that reason, studying aircraft maintenance gives me a really good asset in that career. Mm-hmm. I was extremely fortunate to receive the help of someone to come here and study. So, yeah. So you met an aeronautical engineer at 12 before you came to Bolivia. Um, and there there was a link there with another one of your friends. And so when you, when you came to Bolivia, you worked as an apprentice. Is that right? So the aeronautical engineer, we got along really well. I met him just when I arrived in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. We communicated in English. I didn't know Spanish yet. And uh, I believe since we were both technically minded, we got along really well for that uh, Mm -hmm. reason. When he got the task of assembling a home-built aircraft, Mm -hmm. he got me to help him with that. And I ended up being extremely involved in that project. Uh, Upon completing that project, I got to meet the owner of uh, that aircraft who sponsored my pilot career and who is now sponsoring my studies here at um, Oh College. Wow, that's wow. incredible. Wow, what a, what a generous... Uh, yes, yeah. it's a huge generosity. It's an extremely incredible example of how people can help in life. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Uh, my one of my mentors told me, uh, people will who help you is what helps you go ahead in life, mm-hmm. the help you receive from other people. And for that reason, it's extremely important to help other people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that way, the world can go forward. You help, you receive help, and everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful, uh, nice sentiment there. So um, you actually, your passion for airplanes didn't start... Um, as just a, I love flying, right? You had you started because you actually had a phobia of flying. Explain I, that wow. to us. A I bit. actually That's very did. Interesting. It might be inter- uh, useful to mention that I was always attracted to machines mm-hmm. since I was born. The first word I could say was tractor. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so my parents not mom, told not me dad. tractor. No, tractor. So I always liked machines. I ended up watching those aircraft investi- investigation 
the documentary, the documentaries who focus About airplane crashes who focus on, on airplane crashes and most of the time everyone <laughs> dying oh nice so i really like the technical aspect but i i had this phobia and i remember that time we needed to take a flight and i was crying i didn't want to go on the airplane everyone dies when they go on planes yeah. <laughs> however one day i just had a really big switch and from this phobia appeared this passion mm-hmm. of risk management and responsibility seeking mm-hmm. saying this, I want to save lives this, by making yeah. good aircraft. Yes. For example, this, uh, this profession requires a lot of professionalism, mm-hmm. requires a lot of dedication, a lot of precision. And I'm like, I'm up to the challenge. I want to do this. I want to do things right, help people, have a lot of responsibility, decision making. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm down. And you have your pilot's license now. I do have my private pilot's license, yes. Nice. So that nice. phobia is probably... No, that, that, that phobia turned around now. Now I'm accepting the fact that us pilots and mechanics are here to ensure that aviation mm-hmm. stays the safest means of transportation. Mm-hmm. A quick stat would be that per year there is approximately a thousand or even less casualties in airline crashes in big commercial aviation. A thousand might seem like a big number, but how many people? How mm, many flights? How are many people are flying there. at the moment? Yeah, over a hundred thousand. Huh. Just Every at this day. at this yeah. moment. I mean, I'm just making the number up. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a cool <laughs> stat. Yeah. Uh, there's millions and millions of people that travel per year right. in large aircraft, and the and course, the, the casualty the casualties that happen very rarely are sensationalized. Are so the primary thing in aviation is always safety. Always. Mm-hmm. That's like the primary, primary thing. So I really like that aspect. Very cool. So you're now in your, uh, finalizing your year in the aircraft maintenance program. Um, and <laughs> what's, what's the goal after that? So my goal is to be a Bosch pilot, either here, either in Australia flying as a medical doctor, either, like I say, here up north flying float planes or maybe in Africa flying on dirt strips. I want to be where the fun is. If Being you able ever have an to extra seat available, <laughs> need a co-pilot, just let us know. Jen and I, I'm sure, yeah. we're down for that. I will pay on the trunk. I'll make, I'll make sure you have <laughs> some trunk. space in the cargo hold. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, we ha- we, I'm going to end on a couple other questions from our listeners because I think there's some really poignant ones. Um, what country, so Valentina asked, what country feels like home now to you? That is another tricky question. My, the experience I went through during my childhood allowed me to become very, I could say, detached with uh, wherever I live, mm-hmm. knowing that throughout my life I'm going to move in different places and as I'm going to bring and take positive events from each place, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stay in the same place forever. So for now, home would be here, Hamilton, Mohawk College and where I'm living at the moment. But I'm fully aware that I will not be living here my entire life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So home is just wherever you are. So home is for the moment wherever I am. The day I meet my wife and Mm -hmm. I form a family, then things might change. But for now, I still have, what, 189 countries to discover. Mm -hmm. So I cannot call home here yet (laughs) that actually leads in perfectly into my last question from ola what are other countries you want to visit right now and why what's on your list so 
I'm open to anything. I'm really excited, you know, getting to know different countries. I, I really see that each different country, each different place I live, I can learn different things, mm-hmm. have different experiences. So I could not say exactly. However, I do want to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. It is my place of birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, it is my place of birth, and I do want to go over there to visit. I'm not sure which country. It could be Congo. It could be Cameroon. It could be South Africa. But I, I want to get to know Africa for sure. Oh, and also I want to do a trip to Cuba. That is more for the hobby salsa mm-hmm. style. All right. If you go to Asia, you, you finish those six continents, right? Yeah, you could just cap off your list. There. That's definitely on the on the bucket list. Getting to know the sixth continent. The sixth, right. just the last sixth continent. Yeah, and North Pole, South Pole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll I'll do a flight over there just for the just fun to of fly it. over yeah. it and say you've yeah. been there. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Dennis, for coming on our show. I can't. I could ask you five million more questions. And again, to our listeners, continue asking questions on our Facebook page at Elise One Hundred One Five or Elise in Wonderland. If you have any other questions for Dennis or want to know more about the countries he's lived mm-hmm. in, um, we'll have to have you back on to go in depth a little bit more. Uh, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great talking to you and hearing about just the perspective of someone that has moved around so much. It's very unique and very interesting. It's my pleasure to be here to share my experience and to receive all your questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Uh, so we're going to end with a couple upcoming events in the community. Sports. sports. <laughs> uh, on the sports side of things, which is not my strength, Jen was like, did you know it's Super Bowl Sunday this today? Nope. Uh, I'm, I didn't know about this too, but I think it's huge. It's a big North deal. America. Yeah. I'm missing her part of this Canadian and North American culture. If I, I don't think know it's about it. very American. Mm. Super Bowl Sunday. There's all these things on Pinterest, like how to make the best chicken wing platter that looks like a football field. Like yeah. the worst things the like that is a big part of the culture, and I it, it kind of happens in Canada. Yeah, worst sometimes. Worst Super Bowl advertisement. Yeah, I heard I'm that sure. Justin Timberlake is going to be performing with. Uh, like a 3D version hologram of Prince. I don't know if that's a rumor, but that's cool to me. I don't know about the football. Mm. Maybe I'll watch the halftime show. Um, And then there's also the Pyeongchang Olympics in Korea. Mm. It'll be uh, opening ceremonies on Saturday, and I think 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Winterfest is in Hamilton. They started yesterday up to February 19th. And what happens at Winterfest? Well, usually the city leads a lot of events, um, and part of the events are happening in near Pier 4 or uh, Waterfront Park. I haven't mm-hmm. checked the details, but <clears throat> yeah, checked on the website, and there should be a lot of events going on. Cool. There's also Coffee Club happening at Mohawk College Fennel Campus, coming up again on February 7th, 4.30 p.m. in room J137. Mm-hmm. Um, and so check that out. That's for anyone in the community at the college. Anyone can come and just have a conversation. And there's also the Lunar New Year coming up, um, which is the date this year is February 16th. And that is going to be our next episode where we talk mm-hmm. about the Lunar New Year and the festivals that go on in China. Um, hopefully with our guest, Maggie, who works in recruitment at Mohawk College. Um, haven't talked to her about it yet, so we'll have to run that by her next week. But 
she's usually down for anything. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. So, again, thank you, Dennis, so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Our listeners were super excited, and they have a billion questions for you. Um, and we will see you next week for Lunar New Year. We're mm-hmm. going to end on a song um, from the Altiplano Highlands of Bolivia, and it's a rhythm called Caporales. <laughs> Did I do okay? Yes, it's a uh, caporales. It's typical. It's a typical rhythm from La Paz, Bolivia. Wonderful. Thanks again, everybody, and we will see you next week on Elise in Wonderland. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone.